Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us today. Obviously, last night did not. The second half didn't go well, and I cannot begin. I'm not going to sit here and try to explain why some of these second halves have happened the way they have happened, because I don't have the answer. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that. I'm not going to be the talk show host that pretends he has the answer. That's a, you know darn well I've never done that. If I, have, if I have answers, I give you answers. If I don't have answers, then I don't know. Okay. And the um, oh geez, we got another Doug call today. How many can we have on the show? Um, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I got to have an answer because the first play of the second half, Michigan State has the ball, and I said it on the broadcast. They go under the screen. And, of course, Watts then hits the three. Well, what are they taught over and over and over again on certain plays, certain players? Watts is one of them. It's very specific in the scouting report with him. Don't go under the screen. Go over it. And as soon as I saw that, I mentioned he said they went under the screen. I said that on the broadcast. For whatever reason, in the first four minutes, especially of second halves, in the last couple weeks, few weeks, we've seen some fundamental mistakes coming out of the locker room by some players that they weren't making earlier in the game. So I can't explain that because I know what the scouting report is. I know what they're taught. I know what they're... Because, look, I think you know that I go to football practices. And every once in a while I'll be in a football meeting. But I go to football practices. I'm there all the time. I know what they're trying to accomplish with what they're doing out there. I go to basketball practices. And I also sit in on basketball film sessions. Right? So I know what they're told. That's why that's why I, I will mock and I'll be open about it. I'll I'll mock the old it's coaching and scheme. What do you think? They sit there and they say, you know what, I think it'd be great if we had the ball stick. Do you think they tell them to have the ball stick, or do you tell them to, do you think they're telling them to move the ball? What just okay? What do you think? That's why I want to hear it's coaching, it's scheme. Please, okay? The players have to, in the flow of the game, they've got to keep the game plan going, even though it's emphasized to them over and over again. Here's the baffling part, statistically, about last night's game. If you're telling me before the game, and we know about we know about Lamar's numbers, so let's take Lamar's line out of it. It's just one of those nights. I mean, I can't begin to explain why a great player ends up with a night like that, but he did. Okay, 
We'll get to that in a moment. The uh, If you're telling me before the game Penn State hits 10 threes, yes, they were in the first half, but they hit 10 threes. They have 17 assists in the game. Okay. Normally at a game like this, people would complain about live ball turnovers, officiating, and uh, shot selection. So Okay, so there's some shot selection in here, so there's no, no doubt about that. Live ball turnovers. There weren't any. Penn State turned the ball over four times in the game. That's really, that's great. 17 assists. That tells me, for the most part, the ball's not sticking. Hitting 10 threes. Outscoring a team. Penn State had nearly double the steals blocks. Penn State had... um, I mentioned the threes. I mentioned the assists. I mentioned the turnovers in the game. So you're looking at that and you're saying, how the heck do you not, when you're doing all this, why does it turn out that way? So number one, the defense is going to be better. Number two, I'll tell you what, what, and this is something that if you're a deep dive fan, you might realize this but probably if you're somebody that sits in my chair that has to research games, you know, you, you research film, you research scouting reports, you research a lot of stats. You try to then somehow mix it in. So, so in your re, in my research in what I'm doing, I probably would know this more than anybody else, only because it's my job to research it, and it's not yours. Penn State a year ago had a two-point field goal percentage of 46.7. It's not good. And I mentioned it on the broadcast several times last year. I brought it up on talk shows on Thursday night with Patrick last year. I mentioned it on this show several times last year, that it was a problem. This year, that number, for the most part, has been around mm, 52 to 53% most of the year. That's good. That's fine. That's very, very good. But what I've noticed in the last two weeks or so is that that number has inched its way down. And right now for the season, it's at 50.4%. Well, if it's inched down to 50.4%, that means Penn State's been under 50% in two-point percentage of late. Last night was a good example. In the first half, Penn State had 10 of 17 threes. Awesome. But you know what, Penn State, and I, and I said this at halftime on the show last night on the broadcast. I said that also means that Penn State was 5 of 20 in twos. So I was already sending out a, hey, that's got to be better signal at halftime to anybody listening to the broadcast. 5 of 20 on twos. I mentioned it. And remember, the last play of the half was a lay-in by Mike Watkins for two. So if I had to pick out something offensively, because Penn State's free throw percentage last night, fine. Penn State, you know, I know they didn't hit any threes in the second half, but they were still 10-30 for the game. 
I mean, I know they're all with 13 in the second half, and for the most part, they had, you, know, you watch it, they had open shots. They just didn't make them at that point. That happens. But it's the two-point percentage offensively that's got to be better moving forward. And it can be because they're capable of it. Defensively, they've got to get back to what makes Penn State really good. Penn State's been one of the top 35 defensive teams in the country this season. And their first-half defense against Michigan State was very good. Their second-half defense was not. It just wasn't. Finally, they settled it down, and when they settled it down, after falling behind by 10, they got back within two. So now let's talk history for a moment. History's a great teacher, but as I point out all the time, every, every team is different. But I will at least give you some history here about the last three NCAA tournament teams. I'll give you the last four, okay? 1991, Penn State knows it can't get in unless it wins the Atlantic 10 tournament. They go in as a four seed. They win two games down in Philly, then they beat GW here at Rec Hall. They take that momentum, and they then beat UCLA in the opening round up at the Carrier Dome before losing to Eastern Michigan. Okay. 1996. We've got a rookie coach at the time in in Jerry Dunn, and Jerry made a flat-out rookie mistake. He kept practicing the team the same amount of time at the end of the season as he did early in the season. It's just a rookie mistake because Jerry believed hard work would overcome any issues. So in 1996, that's a really good Penn State basketball team. And that was a tired team, though. They ended up losing to Arkansas in the NCAA tournament up in Providence. They were just tired at the end. I mean, that team was, what, three and... uh, I think they were like three and four down down the stretch or something like that. They just got tired. And that was a talented team. I mean, really good with Gaudio, Lasicki, Secunda, Booth, Calvin... You know, Danny Earl, Donovan Williams, Phil Williams, Jared Stevens was a freshman on that team. All right. But now let's take the last two. Let's take the last two. See if we can draw some correlations here. Whoops, sorry about that. Let's draw some correlations here if we can. In 2001, now Jerry's a more experienced coach, and Jerry's practices are knocked down, they're better, the whole deal. Okay. That team is going along at a pretty good clip. They've already, during the course of the season, what have they done during the course of the year? Oh, I don't know. They've gone out and they've already beaten Kentucky, Pitt, Temple, um, Hofstra, Princeton. They won at Ohio State. All right. But they get to the end of the season. And that team in 2001 that won at Kentucky, won the ECAC Holiday Festival, beat Pitt, beat Temple. I mean, which way? I mean, that was, you know, that was Howland's Pitt team. Temple, of course, they eventually lost to in the NCAAs. They beat them at home. Guess what they did at the end of the year? They lost three of their last four, and guess what they did on senior night? They were up 20 at halftime over Ohio State, and they lost the game by six. 
That team then proceeded to go to the Big Ten tournament, beat Michigan, second-ranked Michigan State, losing the semifinals, then go to the NCAA tournament, beat Providence, North Carolina, and then finally in the Sweet 16, lost to Temple. Point being, sometimes there is not always a correlation between how you finish and then suddenly getting a win, and it just changes everything in how you play. So now we go to the last Penn State basketball team that made the NCAA tournament. Gee, what did they do? They lost at Wisconsin. Then they won at Northwestern. Then on senior night for Taylor Battle, Jeff Brooks, David Jackson, Andrew Jones, and by the way, the sophomore guard was a guy named Tim Frazier. They play their senior day game against Ohio State and lose by 21 points in the next-to-last game of the season, which was also a weeknight. They then, five days later, after close out the regular season in Minnesota, oh, and won. And then they went to the Big Ten tournament, and they won their way to the Big Ten tournament championship game. Then they played Temple in the NCAAs, lost in the last shot of the game. So as you can see, the last two doesn't mean this team's going to do the same thing. Okay? But I'm saying history has shown that you can, I mean, that sometimes you can stumble near the end for whatever reason, that you can lose. Each one of those two teams lost their senior day game. One was really non-competitive. The other one, they had a huge lead and then lost. And then you get a bounce-back win and get back on track because now you're starting a whole new season again. Penn State's playing one game over the next eight days. It, it, the schedule's been perfectly fine. I have no issues. I've, I've said maintain since August. I've been very consistent. The schedule has been great for Penn State. Doesn't mean, though, that you haven't had to play a, a long series of games. This is, the, this is really, to me, a mini-break for them. Northwestern, by the way, has to play at Wisconsin tonight. But the mini-break being is not that you're playing Northwestern. Northwestern, that'll be a tough enough game on the road to begin with because you've got to go in there and you've got to play. But it's the fact that it's one game in eight days. You're not going to be going game, then a couple days later game, a couple days later game, which is what they've been doing, which is what you have to do. I mean, everybody in the conference has to do it. But, and I pointed this out to Pat, one game in eight days. It's, it's the first time they've really had that little that the little mini stretch. They can give you a little bit of a, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's get off our legs. And there's also that balance. You've got to find some balance. That's really tough for any coach in football and basketball. Every coach wants to be as prepared as possible. Which means they'd like to have as much on court or in football on field time as possible. But when you get to the end of the season, you can't do that. You've got to be able to somehow get just enough court or field time, but mixing in with a heavy dose of film and preparation that way. And it's hard for any coach to resist. Like James will say, geez, I'll look at the schedule. I'll cut off a minute here, a minute here, a minute here. He says, the players don't feel like we're cutting out time, but we are. He says, but sometimes it's kind of hard to cut the minutes because there's a couple things you want to do. 
But you have to. You've got to rely then on the preparation of film. It's the same thing in basketball. You've got to rely a lot on film and less at court time at this time of the year, even though there's a couple things you'd really love to work on extensively. You need the legs. The legs are more important than that. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, Bucknell basketball will be at American in the quarterfinals of the Patriot League tournament Thursday at 7. Airtime 6.30 on Eagle 107 with Doug Birdsong. It's amazing how Doug sounds when he's not held back by anyone. No good! No good! No good! Uh, it sounds like he, whomever it was, missed the shot. <laughs> I want to say it was Jordan Burns. You'd be correct. Jordan Burns. Yes. So, but again, it's that's why um, I would like you know. Do coaches make call, you know, make a call that they regret? Of course they do. They're human. Uh, I wish I had that one back. And then what coaches say to me, he says, oh, there are a couple I wish I had back. Jeez. They're human. They'll make a bad call on something or a bad personnel read or something. You know, sometimes a coach will, you know, sometimes they'll play the clock a little bit. I mean, you know, or sometimes they're too aggressive. You know, there's that fine line between balance and whatever as to whether you should keep attacking or pull back or whatever. Okay. But most of the time, coaches know exactly what they want to do, why they want to do it. The key is, can their guys execute it? And there are also times where the execution is great and the ball is dropped. Or the execution is great and somebody got a fingernail on it. Or the execution is great and a shot is missed. Or the execution is great and you get it just to the uh, and a fingernail and somebody knocked it away. You know, sometimes that happens. All right. But that's why when I sit back as somebody who's there all the time, why I sit back and, and you hear, it's coaching, it's game. Like, oh, for God's sakes, do you have any idea what these guys are being told? Any idea? I'll give you an example. Do you think Pat Chambers sits there in a, in a, in a, in a film session and says, you know, I think the, we ought to have the ball stick. That'd be great. Or does he tell them, do I want more passes than than dribbling? What do you think he tells them? Now, fans don't like when I say this, but again, as somebody who's sitting there, you know how hard it is for me to sit there sometimes and shake my head and hear people say stuff? He's like, you don't know what you're talking about? 
because sometimes you don't know what you're talking about. Last night, I can't, but I cannot get a handle. I really can't. I have no answer. That's a very fair thing on my part. I have no answer as to why, in the start of second halves, there's not that. Let's just get them on the ropes and just haymaker them. I just, I don't know. I can't. No answer as to why. Why does a guy duck under a screen last night when he's been told for the last two days to go over the screen? I don't know why. And, I mean, I saw it, right? As soon as I saw it right away, I looked over at Dick, and I'm like, what's he doing? That's not what he was told. And you're like, oh, I don't understand why that's happening. And I don't think I can explain it anywhere across the country. And I want to get to uh, Dick in a second here. So, Dick, just hold, hold me one second. It's happening everywhere. And why is it happening everywhere? Why is Creighton, which is really a really good team, why did they play St. John's the other day and lose by 20? Huh? Iowa hasn't lost a home game in the Big Ten all season. Purdue beat them last night. Not only that, they beat them rather soundly. Kentucky, same thing as Penn State. They were up last night. 17-point lead. Tennessee beat them. I, we're seeing this across the country, and I don't know why. I can't be. I can't really get my. As somebody who's done this for a long time, I've never seen this happen across the board. Even though I know we have tunnel vision about here, Dick, I know you have a question. It is always a pleasure to hear from you, my friend. I hope you're doing well. Well, I'm fine. I missed the game last night because I was down and down watching Bucknell, and and I'm not going to dwell on them because they're either going to win or lose. But Penn State, you know, was playing for most of the seasons. Really played everybody really tough from start to finish but lately they have stopped doing that you're kind of like i was kind of listening to you and you say you don't have an answer it's not just it's not just penn state but it's a lot of team i guess my point point being is 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 this something that's going to carry over into the tournament or do you think they'll can correct it somehow i guess is well, my, that, my question yeah, <laughs> yeah and that goes that goes back to my first half hour and, and again history can be a great teacher it doesn't mean the same thing's going to happen but I talked about the 2001 team. 2001 team, which made the Sweet 16. That team ended up losing three of its last four games, and they played senior night. It was actually an afternoon game with Ohio State. They're up 20 at halftime, Dick, with Joe Crispin. Up 20. Lost. Okay. Now everybody's like, oh, this is, you know. And th- that team actually was under 500 the Big Ten, 7-9. and nine. Well, then they went to the Big Ten tournament. And they beat Michigan, second-ranked Michigan State. That got them into the NCAAs, then got to the Sweet 16. So there's no no correlation between the end of the season and then what happened after that. Okay. Now we go to 2011. Taylor Battle, illustrious career, all-time leading scorer. He's out there with David Jackson, another senior. Andrew Jones, another senior. Jeff Brooks, another senior. A team that two years earlier, like this one, had won the NIT. Senior night. They're playing Ohio State. Here we go. The great coronation. They lose by 21. Huh? Okay. Well, that was the next to last game of the regular season. Sound familiar? They went to Minnesota. Won. 
then they went to the then they won three in the Big Ten tournament, got to the championship game. So sometimes there can and how many times have I talked about in the show in general terms about gee, I'm looking at the NCAA tournament. Boy, this team won its tournament, they're hot, that team's tournament, they're hot, and then they lose in the first round. I can't I don't think you can predict anything. This team could go to Northwestern on Saturday, win the game, feel better about itself, and then suddenly they're good enough to make the Big Ten championship game and make and win a couple games in the NCAA tournament, if not more. You just don't know. And I, 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 if I had answers, doggone it, Dick, I'd give you answers. But if I, in all fairness, this means that means when I have answers. You know they're reliable because when I don't have answers, I'll tell you I don't. <laughs> but just uh, lately, they seem to even lose their focus on their own on their own court, which kind of surprises me. Or their yeah. intensity somewhat, maybe their focus. Yeah. I can understand yeah. on the road sometimes it's it'll just happen. But you have your crowd with you and you're playing on your home court, and all of a sudden you're even struggling there. I guess that yeah, kind of bothers me don't... about anybody. I don't, not just them, anybody. And, and like you Kentucky's know. at Rupp last night. And they're playing, and now they're Kentucky's playing great. They're up to sixth in the country. Many people say they're going to win the national championship. They're up by seventeen, and they lost. Huh? I, I am just. This is the most baffling college basketball season I've ever seen. Duke goes through a stretch where they lose by twenty at NC State. What? <laughs> really? Yeah, it's no disgrace they lose to NC State on the road, but 20? You're Duke. Those are all five-star well, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll watch the game on television, uh, watch the TV, so I don't necessarily, not, no reflection on you guys, so I don't necessarily hear your pregame sure. uh, talk with uh, Coach Chambers, so I don't know what he talks about the team as far as, you know, maybe he never even talks about stuff like that. I don't even know uh, focused intensity. He, I don't oh, know what he tells you. You know I what, that's, know. All, that, that's, that's really a lot of the pregame shows we do, Dick, are about focus, intensity, Blocking out noise, which is not easy in this social media world. I know you are a social media nut. Some days. <laughs> are you going to you going to go to the rack? Yeah, I'm going. I'm not really excited about it. And I just, in fact, just today I have my got my tickets. Uh, I got my tickets for NCAA's. I have them in my possession as we speak. <laughs> you're not you're not excited about the Big Tens or. I'm excited about it, except I'm oh, just okay. I'm just not wild about wrestling in that facility. I I've heard oh, some no, I've no, heard no. some horror stories no. about how this is working out. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it is what it is when we get there. It's not That's... it's not a very big facility for NCAA uh, Big Ten wrestling tournament, as I yeah. understand. They have to, you have to downsize it to put the mats out, and I don't know how. I guess we'll find out when we get there. Well, it's not just downsizing to put out the mat stick. It's also downsizing because they have to put the media tables up. Right, I understand. There's a lot yeah. to it, but it's supposedly, yeah. and I don't know how true this is. Like they 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 cut it to like six. I don't know what the holds normally. Sixty four hundred seats or so for wrestling. What is it normally? Yeah. Eighty seven. Okay, so that's a, that's a drop, and I only know this from from what I saw online that they gave each Big Ten team a hundred tickets. You well, can do the math. And and then they kept the rest of them pretty much for themselves or who else they were giving them to. So that's not a lot well, of tickets. No, we have tickets. I'm not worried about. Right. I'm not worried about well, that. But I actually read online that they didn't even have. They didn't do the figure. And they didn't even have room to get all the mats out. I can't already right. believe that. That's what, what I read. That could just be somebody's speculating. But you know what's interesting, Dick? The NCAA basketball tournament. 
Yeah. Do you do you know how many tickets each team gets for the NCAA basketball tournament? Probably not very many. <laughs> Four hundred. Yeah. Four hundred. So now there's there there's eight schools in each region. That's thirty two hundred. Yeah. The rest belong to the arena or whomever. But each school gets four hundred tickets. That's it. Now, for the NCAAs, where are your tickets? Are you in the lower they, bowl, upper deck? Where are you? Well, I'm in the lower bowl because I got them through. I got them through Bucknell, and I'm. I'm okay. I'm, oh, I've okay. actually gone online. I don't know how many times and looked at my view from uh, on my computer from my basically where my seats at. That might be the best view I'm going to have of the whole tournament. Okay. <laughs> I'm just guessing now. I don't know that. I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I just it is what it is. I have the tickets in there. And that's where we're going to be. Uh, they're in the lower yeah. bowl, be only because that's where they put all the teams, right. uh, fans, or that's where they got their tickets. Uh, I don't know. It could be one of these deals. I might have been better to be up at the three hundred level, looking in the middle, looking down. We'll see. I don't know I mean, when I get there. Yeah, I, obviously, I have not been inside that building because I did. I want to say I did three or four football games in the old Metrodome. Yeah, and I, and I went to a baseball game at the old Metrodome, which, by the way, is on the. They tore it down. It's on the exact same side as the Metrodome. Um, so I haven't been in this one. Uh, are you lower bowl, like, like in a football sense? Where would you be? The fifty, the forty, well, okay, the thirty? Where, where it starts to make the curve, I can tell you the section. Okay, so, so I, I guess so what's going to happen? I think I'm going to have. I saw a. I saw a diagram of like. Photo shoot, shooter where they put the mats and they, and they spread them out two okay. on each side of the basically the 50 yard line two sets okay. like four mats on each side so okay. I think I'm going to have a really good uh, a decent view of maybe four mats and, and I'm going to know the other four mats are in the building maybe but I think yeah. you're going to have to almost, almost see some of the stuff on a jumbotron you, you follow me? Wow. Yeah, I do. Or, binocul- yeah. or binoculars but oh. there again they wanted to do this in the football stadium they didn't call me up and say what do you think it's a lot <laughs> different when you're in a basketball arena and there's only half the 20,000 people. You, you know, uh, the seats are all looking somewhere down on the mat as opposed well, to... Uh, I know I know. there's another end of the stadium up there somewhere. Yeah, basketball basketball in the Dome. All the basketball games I've done in Domes, I've done the Carrier Dome, the Georgia Dome, the Louisiana Superdome. I, and all of those were set up back then where they use, utilized the end zone and then brought seats over to cut it off. In the final four, what they do is they now put the court in the center at the 50-yard line, and the court is raised. So if you notice, the players are all like eye-level with the court on the bench, and the coach is sitting on a stool. That's to give it the stage platform. Right? But you've got people sitting in corners in the upper deck well, I'm not sure they can see the court, Dick. I mean, they can see the court. They know it's down there. And it's like, for example, at Jerry World, for example, with those two, uh, that gigantic screen they have, there's probably some people, that's how they're watching a Final Four game when it's in Jerry World, is off a screen like that. I mean, that's probably the same concept. It's, it's, well, I'm, you know, I'm okay with I'm, I'm okay yeah. with how it is because that's how it is. It's as I say, if I can yeah. see, and I'm sure when it gets to the finals, the one mat in the middle. I mean, obviously it'll be out there. It'd be like setting, like it might be setting. We're not in the end zone. We're in where it makes a yeah. turn. Yeah, and, like the, and, and there were 16 at, rows up. I do know that, so we're not looking like at the goal line. Field level. 
You'd be like it is what it is, and uh, I'm going to be there next year. It's back in St. Louis. I'm okay with that. Big Tens are and Big in, in Bryce Jordan next year, not in uh, not in. Uh, the rack or someplace. I, the only thing that the other got me is, I mean, the Big Ten approves this stuff, and somebody told me they could have gone to an arena within, I don't know, a half an hour from there where they, one of the professional basketball teams they got a lot, of, a lot of people in there. I'm not sure yeah, which they, one it is. but uh, uh, The, Pruden- the uh, Prudential Center in uh, Newark. So how far is that from, uh, let's say, uh, Rutgers uh, University? Say half an hour? Half an hour. New York City traffic, uh, four hours. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, half an hour. It's, it's half an hour. So it, I guess my point it, being is, you would have yeah. thought that the Big Ten says, would have suggested that if they're if they can't really accommodate the number of people that they're used to, why, why don't you just move it up there? You're going to make the money, or most of is, it. I mean, I don't is, know. I can, is what's the what's the attendance like? Let's let's take a comparable. Let me take a comparable arena in the Big Ten. When they wrestle at Ohio State, do they do it in the Schottenstein Center, or the, or have they done it at St. John Arena? Well, I, when I went to Big Tens at at, at the uh, at Columbus, we it was in St. John's, and I've been at okay. Purdue in Big Tens. Right. I've been at Illinois okay. at Big Tens. I've been at Iowa's at Big Ten, which is kind of unfair because it's such a it, you know it's a, such a wrestling hotbed out there that they're always going to get a lot lot more people there. Yeah, they just are. Yeah, but- by yeah, but, it's like, yeah, it's but, be like at Bryce Jordan. They'll just get right. more people because of where it's at. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the, the, the bottom line, the, what the Big Ten does is they rotate it among the 14 schools. You're not going to get it for exactly. another 14 years. So it's Rutgers' turn, that's all. It has nothing to do with Iowa getting it more often than anybody else. They don't. Uh, they get it the same amount as everybody else. It just turns out that you know it feels that way because it was their turn. <laughs> Well, I guess my point being is you, they would, they certainly wouldn't come into, uh, let's say, to state college and go, oh, we're going to have Big Tens. We're going to hold it in Rec Hall. You know, that's what I, that's right. what, that's how I kind of yeah. figure out with Rutgers. It's a facility yeah. they have. Like, is that the yeah. small, one of the smaller facilities even for basketball? Oh, yeah. No, R- Rutgers and uh, Northwestern are the two smallest. Now, has Northwestern hosted Big Tens? I don't. I don't never, I've never been there, and I. I don't. And I usually know where it's at, so I couldn't tell you that it's been there. I wouldn't tell yeah. you that. Maybe they don't. Okay. Maybe they defer to them because they do basketball. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe or Northwestern that. doesn't. Maybe Northwestern doesn't want it either. I mean, the well, size of the, the, the size of the arena may come into play. Um, has it has it been at Maryland? Yes, years ago. Uh, okay, I, I'm uh, pretty sure it's been in Maryland. Well, NCAA's were at Maryland years and years and years ago. But when they well, used to hold the, them, on, you know, like they, when they held it the at Bryce Jordan. Now they yeah. try to get to a hockey, basketball, NBA or arena. As I say, next right. year St. Louis. I thought it was. Right. I thought you told or Detroit. You told me it, it was not Joe Louis. You told me it's the it's other be, one, which I. The brand new Little Little Caesars Arena downtown, where the Pistons oh, and the every time I think uh, of that, I just play. think of a gambling facility. <laughs> that's, that's why I don't I don't relate that to sports for the most part, like Las Vegas would. I just don't think much of that. That's that's not how my mind thinks about. Geez, let's uh, let's go to that gambling place and play you, you gotta, you NBA gotta basketball think, or something. You, you know? gotta think it's pizza. You gotta think it's pizza. Right, okay, it, it, it is. I, it is. Yeah, I think it's gambling, and it, it is not that, is it? No, it's pizza. It's, not, it's, it's actually Mike Illich, who's the late Mike Illich. His wife now owns the team. That that actually is Little Caesars Pizza. Okay, it's not, okay it's yeah, not, I see the commercial. So, have you ever been to this place in Detroit? No, I, I have not. It's brand new. It's like a year and a half old, so I've never been to it. 
I'll have to look I, it up and look at I, look at it. And, I think, and that's I think not it's for like, two years. It's back in St. Louis right. again. The yeah. Nationals are, or I'm talking about yeah. Nationals, and Big Tens are in, state co- in Penn State. I'm not going to worry two or three years out. I, I worry right. next week or two weeks. And My biggest fear now is, and it's not a fear, <laughs> it's with this uh, a virus going around, there's a lots of these, play, every time I pick up something, they say, maybe we shouldn't have fans here. And even, even the NBA I saw this morning. Maybe yeah. eliminate the fans. Well, well, you... you know what? I take all that stuff one at a time because, I mean, for me, I mean, they're not going to tell us to stay away. They're going to want the game on, on radio and TV. So, sure. I mean, so, I understand I mean, that. I'll, but my word, the other regardless. thing I told a guy today, I'm not sure, let's say they have 45,000 people at uh, Minneapolis. I'm not sure how you could get that many people in the emergency room at the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> yeah. That was I hadn't really thought of that. I hadn't really thought of that. I mean, a great hospital if something happens out there, if there's a, you know. But. Sure. It's, it's also, Rochester's not as close to Minneapolis as you think. <laughs> so well, I guess it is, and I don't. I just, I just know yeah. that it's, uh, I always, think, every time it's I think awesome. of that area, I think of yeah. Mayo Clinic. Yeah. All right, hey, Dick, I do have to take a break because we're near the top of the hour. You know, my friend, it is always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your well, good, questions yeah, good and luck your to you. Get those guys moving a little bit better there in the court. <laughs> you got that right. Hey, I'm with you. You and I are on the Bye. same page, bud. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we do have to take a break. We will come back with more of the Macatrillo happy hour in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 